Welcome to episode 73 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 8. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Hello listeners, I am so happy to be back with you once again. For those who may have missed the context in earlier episodes, we start every episode with a positive thought. Why? Because my mom says every new beginning should be with a positive thought. So here we are. Our thought to begin today's episode is a quote by the famous author Paolo Coelho. Like me, I think many of you may have read his book, The Alchemist, several times. He says, on your journey to your dream, be ready to face oases and deserts. In both cases, don't stop. This quote is particularly relevant as today we are going to talk about dreams. Our guest for today is a musician who is not only going to share his life lessons with us, but will also entertain us with one of his many hits. In just five plus years, our guest and his band, Project Grand Slam, have released 10 celebrated albums, including a Billboard number one album, have had over 4 million video views, and more than 50,000 Facebook fans. Everyone, let's welcome Robert Miller. Robert, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is so good to have you on the show. Thank you for agreeing to be my guest on Sharing Life Lessons. I would like you to start us off by telling us something about yourself, please. Sure. Thank you, Hamida, for having me as a guest on the program. I do three things. Number one, first and foremost, I'm a musician. I've been a musician all my life. It took me a long time, and I'll tell that story later on in this podcast, but I finally became a full-time musician about six years ago, and that has been the focal point of my life. I really wanted to to do this full-time, and that's what I have been doing. My band, and I'm the leader and bass player and composer for the band, is called Project Grand Slam. It's a fusion of uh, rock and jazz and Latin music, and we're based in the New York City area, but we play all around the world. So that's the first thing that I do. The second thing is I started a podcast called Follow Your Dream, and the podcast began in March of this year, 2021, in part because of the pandemic, and I had so much more time on my hands as we all do but also because I think that my story resonates. As I said, I'll get into the story further, but basically I had a youthful dream to do music full-time and to become a rock star, if you will. And my dream got deferred, not just for days or weeks or even a couple of years, but for several decades. Mm -hmm. And it was only when I was later in my life that I finally decided this is what I wanted to do. And I, I was very successful as a result of that. So I decided to start a podcast, again called Follow Your Dream, intended to inspire and motivate other people to follow their dream, whatever that dream might be. Mm -hmm. As a result of the podcast, I decided that I was going to put all of my background and philosophy into a book that I could offer to people as well. So I created the Follow Your Dream handbook, which was just released a couple of weeks ago. It immediately became a, a number one bestseller on Amazon, I'm pleased to say. 
And the handbook is really a combination of memoir of my journey and what I was able to do in music. And secondly, how to, trying to give people kind of a step-by-step approach to how that they could approach their own dream and how they could succeed at their dream. So that's me. That's what I do. Amazing. And by the way, we have something in common. We both are podcasters where podcasting was a COVID passion project. (laughs) Okay, good. Thank you for telling us about yourself. And we can't wait to hear this story because it seems like a very inspiring story. So please tell us your story. Okay. Well, I was, I was born into a musical family in the sense that my father played the trumpet. And even though it wasn't his full-time occupation, he was passionate about music and passionate about the trumpet. He played weddings and parties and things like that on the weekends. And when I was born, it was pretty obvious that my parents wanted me to be a musician as well. So when I was about five or six years old, I was told that I was going to start playing piano. It was no debate, no discussion. I was going to learn how to play piano. And I did, in fact, start playing piano. But, you know, five years, six years old, you don't really want to practice that much. You want to be outside playing with your friends. And I went to my parents after about a year, and I said, I really don't enjoy this much. And they said, well, okay, you can drop the piano, but you must take up another instrument. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take up the trumpet because that was the instrument that my father played. And I wound up playing the trumpet throughout junior high school and high school. But along the way, and I'm a bit older than you are, Hamida, there was this little group from Liverpool, England that came around called the Beatles. And the Beatles changed music forever. I love the Beatles, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I can sing you as many songs as you want from the Beatles. (laughs) We'll, We'll have a little test on that, if you wish. But suddenly, it wasn't very cool to play the trumpet any longer. Everybody wanted to play guitar. And I was in my early teens. My friends and I, we all went out. We got these cheap little acoustic guitars. And we knew that the Beatles played electric guitars. And we, of course, could not afford anything like that. But we all had these little reel-to-reel tape recorders that had a microphone that came along with them. So we literally scotch-taped the microphones onto the body of our guitars in order to make them into, quote, electric guitars. Oh, I am so enjoying this. Go on. I became the bass player in the band simply because as a result of playing the trumpet, I already knew the treble clef. My friends were struggling to learn either the treble clef or the bass clef. They didn't have any musical background. So I volunteered to become the bass player in the band. And that's that, that has stuck with me my entire life. So... Here I was, I was playing trumpet in the orchestra and the band at school, but my passion was playing rock and roll music. I'm listening to the radio. I formed a band, of course. We're playing all the little uh, engagements that we can find in the neighborhood at churches and synagogues and VFW halls and the like. And I just assumed that I was going to be a professional musician. That's Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do in life. I went to college in Boston. I was a broadcasting and film major in college. And when I graduated college, like a lot of people at that time, I wanted to get an entry-level job in broadcasting. And I found a job in the mailroom at a public television station in Boston. So I had what I thought was an ideal existence. I was in the mailroom during the day, and I was playing music at night. 
And it was great, except for one problem. I didn't make any money between the two jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was no way to support oneself. And on top of that, I thought I was going to be in the mailroom for a month or two at most. And then I'd make my way up into the station and I would do all kinds of broadcasting things that I thought were interesting. But it was the time in this country when there wasn't really much hiring going on. It was an inflation period. Mm. And all of a sudden, there weren't any advancements at that station. I got stuck in the mailroom for over a year. So here I was in the mailroom doing trivial kind of work. I was playing music. Maybe I was making $100 a week between the two. And I was absolutely desperate and miserable. And a friend of mine came forward and said, I have a solution for you. I said, what's that? He said, why don't you go to law school? And I said, law school? Why would I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, you could do law during the day and you could play music at night. And I thought about it for about two nanoseconds because I was a 20-year-old idiot. And I said, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and I went off and I applied to go to law school. In the meantime, my then girlfriend and I went backpacking throughout Europe. This was the summer time. Mm -hmm. When I got back, I found that I did well enough on the law boards and I applied. And unfortunately, I got into law school. And the problem was that law school is not like a walk in the park. I mean, it, it's 20 hours a day of work. And then when I graduated law school, I, I got a job as a lawyer. And then now was 23 hours a day of work. I had no time to play music. My dream was that I was going to do law during the day, play music in the evening, and have a perfect life. Well, it didn't work out at all. In fact, it worked out just the opposite. I wound up giving up music for 15 years. Let me say that again. My plan to play music went out the window. I stopped playing music for 15 years. Why? Well, life got in the way. I had a family at that point. My girlfriend from college became my wife. We had two children. I had a job. I had obligations. I had debts. I, I, I had no time for anything. I certainly had no time for music. And But that is such a classic story. You're not alone in this. So many people look back and say, life got in the way and I couldn't follow my dream. Exactly. And... That's exactly right. I didn't even realize it at the time. It's only when I kind of stopped and, and looked up that I said, gee, what happened here? This was not what I was planning. I said to myself, I've always had this dream. I still have the dream. What am I going to do about it? When I got to my 40s, I finally, finally said, okay, I'm miserable. I haven't played music in 15 years. This is not what I wanted. And I started to play again. I was practicing. I started to get my, my chops back, as we say. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually cut my first record, put a band together, started to play. But it was still more like a hobby. It was more like an avocation because I was doing all the other things that I needed to do to just keep my life intact. It took another 20 years before I was finally able to say to myself, if I don't do it now, when am I ever going to do it? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go through the rest of my life regretting that I had never given my dream a shot. So the moment that I knew I needed to do something was when I turned 60. 
because at 60, even though 60 is, is not nearly as old as it was at one time, you're still on the far side of the mountain, so to speak. And I said to myself, if I don't do it now, I will never do it. And so figuratively, I just decided I'm giving everything else up and I'm going to jump into the deep end of the pool. Robert, was 60 the only impetus or was there something else? Were there people around you who were coaxing you to follow your dream or was it just that number? Well, it was two things. Earlier in my life, I had another event and that is I was riding my bicycle one day and it turns out that I got hit by a car and I broke my neck. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that makes you stop and smell the roses more than having a near-death experience. I was extraordinarily fortunate that I wasn't paralyzed or killed as a result of it because, you know, breaking your neck is pretty serious. That put me on the track initially to do something here because I said, okay. I got lucky. The man upstairs or the woman upstairs, however you believe, shined the light on me and I needed to take advantage of that. But it still, again, took me almost 20 years before I could make the move. When I finally did make the move, it was my desire. It, nobody else was pushing me. Nobody was saying, gee, you have to do this. It was just, it was that inner burning desire that I had my whole life. And I never wanted to feel the regret that I knew I would feel if I didn't try. And I'm a great believer that we all have a dream somewhere. We probably all started off with a dream. And when we're young, the dreams are usually pretty big. Mm -hmm. You want to be an astronaut. You want to be, uh, if you're a boy, you want to be a baseball player. You want to be a rock and roll star, whatever it might be. And as we said earlier, uh, for most people, the, the dream flies away because life gets in the way. And here I was, I had turned 60 and I knew that I wanted to take my best shot. It didn't even make a difference to me whether I was successful. It was the act of trying mm -hmm. that made the most importance to me. The fact that I have been successful is just like icing on the cake. So here it is about six years later. I've got 10 albums. One of them was a Billboard number one album. I've got over 4 million video views. I've got over a million Spotify streams. I've got over 50,000 Facebook fans. I've played festivals and concerts around the world. I've opened up for other stars like Edgar Winter and Blues Traveler, Boney James, Mindy Abair. It's been a wonderful, wonderful existence. And the best thing that I ever could have done was exactly what I did do, which is to go into this, to pursue my passion full time. And so it taught me that you're never too old and it's never too late to follow your dream. I mean, here I was in an area like music. Music, let's face it, is a mm -hmm. young person's game, okay? Mm -hmm. And I don't know anybody else that went into music full time when they were in their 60s. I know a lot of musicians that are in their 60s or 70s or even 80s, but they all went into it full-time when they were about 20 years old, and mm -hmm. they made their mark, and they've continued with it, and good for them. But here I was trying to break in, if you will, at an age when nobody would ever do this. And so one of the things I decided to do, I'm a great believer in action plans. I don't think things happen just because the world makes them happen. You have to create your own 
reality. I believe that if you start off and say, I need to know in advance exactly how I'm going to get from A to Z, you'll probably never pursue that dream or whatever it is that you're talking about because it's going to be too daunting. It'll sound like it's impossible. It's too high a mountain to climb. But if you break it down into baby steps, so you're going from point A to point B, and then from point B to point C, et cetera, it becomes doable. And that's what I did. So I said to myself, okay, if I want to be a full-time musician, what do I have to do? Well, I have to start writing music. I have to start recording music. I had to put a band together. I wanted to put a band together that surrounded me with youth and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to feed off of. And so that's what I was able to do. It's been a wonderful experience, both as a recording artist and also as a live performing artist to have that band with me. Admirable story. I have a couple of questions. So I heard you say that you have to have a plan, that you need to plan everything. Does intuition have any role in your plan? Oh, yes. Uh, look, I'm a jazz musician, so I mm. improvise constantly. That's mm -hmm. the name of the game as a jazz musician. So how but, do you reconcile intuition versus plan? Some people say, I just go with the flow. Whenever I, I get the intuition, that's where I go. Well, and then I others say, I plan, like you're I saying. I agree with that first part. I think that the plan gives you an outline of what you wish to achieve. Mm -hmm. Within that outline, th there are the steps that I've just described to you, the baby steps. But every plan goes awry. I like to say it's one step forward, it's two steps back, and it's three steps sideways. There's a heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson, the heavyweight boxing champion, once was asked whether or not he had a plan when he stepped into the ring. And he said, yes, every fighter has a plan until they get hit in the face. And then you have to adjust <laughs> your plan. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say that you can combine plan with intuition because the plan gives you the framework, but within the framework, you have to be flexible Interesting. and you have to realize that life is not a straight line. There's no such thing as a straight line to success. It's going to be a wiggle if it goes anywhere. And you just have to be willing to deal with that. I love that. I do want to reiterate your first message though. You said, you are never too old and it is never too late. That is a lovely message. Well, I think, it, I think I'm living proof of that message. Because as I said, I decided to get into a field that is not a field for 60-year-olds. It's a field for 20-year-olds. And if I could succeed in music at my age, it just said to me that people can succeed at virtually anything that they want. Yeah. Now, if I had decided to become a major league baseball player, unless I was Satchel Paige or somebody like that, mm -hmm. that was not going to be a realistic dream. So I do believe that your dreams have to be somewhat realistic. Everybody's decision as to what's realistic will be an individual dream. I actually created uh, the acronym DREAM to describe my theory. If I may, let me just quickly tell you what that means. Sure. The D of DREAM theory means that, of course, everyone has a dream. And some people might say, well, no, 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 I, I never had a dream. That's not true. You had a dream at, at one time, 
Maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe you're not in touch with it any longer. Dig deep into your psyche, into your soul. It's there somewhere. There's always something that you wanted to do, always something that you wanted to accomplish. It could be as simple as a new skill, a new hobby. could be a new job. It could be a new life. It could be a new country. Dreams come in all different shapes and sizes. The R of dream theory is what I just spoke about a moment ago, realistic. To, to, to be honest, the dream has to be at least somewhat realistic. Otherwise, it's probably not going to happen. The E of dream theory is for execute. It's what I said before as well. I think you need an action plan to really go forward. And an action plan doesn't have to be a detailed blueprint. It can be an outline. It can be a set of goals. But most importantly, it has to be a set of achievable baby steps. Mm -hmm. The A of dream theory is what I just talked about. You have to be willing to adjust that plan all the time because there is no such thing as a straight line. So there are going to be hurdles and pitfalls and setbacks. That's just the way life is. You must be persistent. You must plow forward, not take no for an answer. And the M of dream theory for me is measurement. How do I measure my success? Every dream is going to have a different measurement of success. For me in music, the measurements were quite obvious and easy to figure out. But for other people's dreams, they're going to be different measurements. If, if you wanted to open a store and sell something, well, opening that store might be your measurement of success. If you want it to be on the internet and, and create an app, well, creating the app is your measurement of success. So every dream will have a different measurement. And I like to say all the time, it's not the success or failure that is the key. It's the act of trying. That's what will give you the inner happiness, the satisfaction. Success is just the icing on the cake. Success is just the icing on the cake, and that really doesn't determine which way you're heading. Why would you even measure it? What are you doing with that statistic, that measurement? That's a good question. I think that people can get frustrated if they're going after something too hard and too long, and it's not working. And I don't think that there's any problem in saying, okay, I took my best shot. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But at least I now know that I took that shot. Mm. So that's what I mean. And I think that, um, again, it, success is measured in all different ways. So you can have complete success. You can have partial success. You can all of a sudden have one nugget of success, and maybe that's all that's necessary for you. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have a different internalization of what it means to be successful. That's very interesting. So did you at any point in time tell yourself, this is going to be my target of success. And if I don't get that, then I'm just going to cut my losses and stop well, doing what I'm doing. I didn't set it in such terms, but mm -hmm. clearly if I didn't feel that I was moving forward, if I didn't feel that I was accomplishing something, I would have said to myself, okay, I gave it my shot. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a concept than it is a hard and fast rule, in my opinion. And it's very subjective also, very yes. individualistic. 
And I love how your dream acronym just puts the whole model together on how you can move forward in following your dream. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. And here's another question. Looking back, is there anything you would do differently? <laughs> like, oh, would God. you go for that law degree if you had the choice? Well, you, look, the law degree did give me something that was important. It gave me stability in my life. It gave me a, a lifestyle for my family. It gave me critical thinking capability. So I don't denigrate having gone through and gotten that degree. At the same time, with respect to my dream, it delayed my dream by a long, long time. And there are many times I, w I wake up and I say, gee, I wish I had done what I'm doing now when I was much younger. But I don't think about it that long because uh, you can't change reality. It is mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I put it all together and I say, you know what? I've, I've led a, a very charmed and happy life. I survived a near-death experience. I've got a wonderful family. I've got five grandchildren at this point. I'm playing the music that I want with the band that I like. And I've got the podcast and the book. So I'm not anybody to complain about anything. You're experiencing a fulfilled life. I feel that way. I still want to ask you this again. So say you got a clean slate and you were asked to write your own story. Would you write it any differently? You know, no one's ever asked me that before. That's a great question. And I'm sure that there would be certain things that I would probably want to do over again or differently. But overall, I'm happy with the way things have turned out. So I right. don't have the regrets that... I think people have when they don't do what they wanted to do. Thank you. Nice to hear that. You've given us some really good food for thought, but is there any last message that you want to give to the listeners that I haven't asked you about? Yeah, I, I, I believe that one of the keys to life is to stay active. And it's taught us during the pandemic because we were all housebound for so long I learned two lessons. Number one was to stay active both mentally and physically because that's what keeps all the motors going and all the systems in working order. And the other thing that I learned is that I think that the pandemic put us all in touch with our mortality. Most people don't spend time thinking about their mortality, nor should they. But when the pandemic first hit, Let's all remember, we didn't have vaccines. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know whether it was going to affect any of us. And if it did, whether it was going to be like a passing flu or whether we we're going to wind up in the hospital or even worse. Yeah. It put us, as I say, put thinking people in touch with their mortality saying, okay, what do I want to do? I can't assume now that I have forever. You know, we all just assume that we're going to live forever. We're not. And if things were to end sooner than I would like them to end, have I done and have I accomplished and have I um, involved myself in those things that are the things that I wanted to be involved in? Have I created the happiness and the joy and the responsibility and the family relationships that I've wanted to create? 
So it, I think that the pandemic made us all take a pause. And I think every once in a while, a pause is good. Pause is good. Lovely last message. Thank you, Robert. It was so much fun talking to you. Thanks for being a guest on Sharing Life Lessons. Thank you very much for having me on, Hamida. Listeners, I hope this dialogue was as interesting for you as it was for me. As always, here are my key takeaways. One, you are never too old and it is never too late to follow your dream. Two, if you have a dream, then take baby steps towards it so that it is not too daunting and it becomes doable. Three, life is not a straight line and there is no straight line to success. It is going to be a wiggle and you must be willing to deal with that and make adjustments to your plan along the way. Four, Robert took us through his interesting dream theory. He explains clearly what each step towards achieving your dream entails. Five, it's not success or failure that is the key. It is the act of trying. That's what will give you the inner happiness, the satisfaction. Success is just the icing on the cake. And lastly, COVID has taught us all that we can't assume that we have forever. So if things were to end sooner, then let's ask ourselves, have we accomplished and involved ourselves in things we wanted? And have we created joy, happiness, and family relationships that we wanted to create? As promised, here is a piece of music that will get you moving and shaking. It is part of the song Queen's Carnival, played by Robert and his band Project Grand Slam. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be blessed.